three, two, one. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Conversing with Chris and Misa, the podcast. Today is Sunday. Uh, it is, what is today? January 31st on a Sunday. All right. It is approximately 4.05 p.m. on a beautiful afternoon here in El Paso, Texas. As always, guys, co-host of the podcast, Mr. Misael is here with us. Misa, say yo, what's yo, up. Yo, what it do, what it do, what it do. We do not have a producer today, guys. We're flying the ship uh, solo. But with us today is friend of the podcast, uh, UFC uh, fighter. Her name is Courtney Casey. Courtney, say what's up to the podcast. What up, podcast? What's going on, Courtney? <laughs> what's up, Courtney? Thank you for being here today. I haven't talked to you in a long time. The story of how I know you is fucking crazy, but we'll get into all that. Um, but thank you for being here today. Um, where are you coming from live today? I know you're not an EP, so where, where are you coming from? Uh, Glendale, Arizona. Okay. Glendale, Arizona. From Casa. Nice. nice. So live from your house in Glendale, Arizona. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for being here today, guys. This is episode 60, 61. 61. Make sure you're uh, following us on Facebook, liking us on Instagram, YouTube, guys. Hit the subscribe button so that you can see each time that we drop an episode. Um, so before we kick off the podcast, guys, there's a tradition unlike any other, and it's called the cracking of the mm-hmm. celebratory beer. And it sounds a little bit like this. <sighs> cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers to everybody. Courtney, cheers if you're drinking anything or not. I got some water. She's got some water, of course. I mean, what did we expect, guys? Okay. So, cheers, guys. Oh, dude, that was cold, dude. Okay, Miss Courtney, we have a lot of catching up to do Uh, real fast. The last time I saw you was probably like circa 2009 uh, working at DC Shoes. And uh, life has changed dramatically for both of us. Um, So go ahead and give me like if you had to give me a life status update of yourself uh, how would you do so? Do so. Go ahead and do that. From then till now, or yeah. right now, like just right now, like where you're at right now, like, and then we'll get into how you got there. Okay. Um, right now, just a normal person, and then I fight every now and then uh, when I get the call. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> I live here in uh, Arizona with uh, my boyfriend and our son and our roommate, and of course, all my family's here uh, in Arizona. They're they're in Mesa, Arizona, and Santan. Um, other than that, yeah, I just, I train two, three times a day and hang out with my family and living the life. Try to, yeah. Try to stay uh, in shape as best I can. <laughs> nice. So tell us a little bit about your son. I noticed on IG and seeing on your Facebook that you post them, you know, it was recently the holidays. So I saw the, the family picture. So tell us yep. a little bit about your son and then, I, um, how you got into this relationship that you're in, in now. Um, Kingston Joseph, he's two. Um, he'll be three in July. My relationship with his father, we met at the gym. We were both training out of the MMA lab, uh, in Glendale. And I moved back here, um, I don't know, about four years ago. Uh, I lived in, uh, Maui, Hawaii for a little bit. And then I moved down here and, uh, yeah, I mean, we were training for about a year together. I was doing his meal plans and helping him with his weight cuts and things like that. And then that's just kind of how you know, things blossomed. Yeah, shout out to you. So let me give you a round of applause for that. Hey, real quick, dude. She says she she works out like three times a day. Dude, no, I, I yeah. haven't done it once this whole year. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, dude, it's only the but end of January. It's my job. It's my job. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's in it's in her job description to say to like stay yeah. physically fit because 
Um, and I'm sure you've learned bec- uh, from your past that when you get the, that call, like you got to be ready, you know what I mean? Because those yeah. opportunities, uh, you know, they come and go. So you got to be ready when, when it's your turn, you know. So we'll, we'll get into the, the fighting in a little bit. Uh, I still wanted to talk to you about like uh, you, you grew up in uh, Arizona, right? So what was that like sure. upbringing like? It was good. I mean, um, we grew up, we were, me and my sister were born in Tucson. And then my parents separated and um, my mom met my, my dad now. Um, and we moved up to Mesa, Arizona, where we pretty much grew up uh, in Mesa, Arizona. We moved from Tucson to Mesa. Uh, I think we were both, I was in fourth grade, like going into fourth grade and she was going into fifth grade. So we were still pretty young. Nice. And then like, um, when do you remember like getting the urge to like want to do combat sports or like, where did that come from? Who like, pissed you off? <laughs> who pissed you off? My sister. Uh, <laughs> it always starts with that. It's the sibling rivalry. Always, though, always. I, I just always loved martial arts as a kid. My neighbor uh, down in Tucson, Alexander, he was into karate and my mom being a single mom um, and my dad, obviously um, he was I mean, my mom was a single mother in the household, but I mean, my father was very present. It was just hard between their schedules, their work schedule, having two children and with two completely different interests. So I just would wait for him to come back from karate and he would show me everything that he learned. <laughs> we awesome. would do karate in the backyard and stuff like that. Uh, but I loved watching, uh, watching martial art films and a lot of boxing with my dad and, and things like that. So um, I'm not necessarily sure when it started, but I always really had an interest in it. So it, it kind of all kind of came from your dad. Your dad's just showing you, practicing with you. It's kind of when you really started getting into it. Um, More movies. I think it was oh, more okay. movies. My dad was really into like uh, karate movies and things like that. So I just watched movies. We would, when we'd go to my, over to my dad's house, um, we'd got to, we would go to Blockbuster. My sister got to pick hey, a movie. I got yeah. a movie and then we got to pick a family movie. So I'd go, you know, to the martial arts section and get a movie, <laughs> get her movie. And, and that's kind of how how it was and then obviously my my neighbor uh friend uh growing up started doing karate like i just got more interested in it nice so like what was like uh to like kind of get like a an idea of like how you grew up like your sister was into like what what was she into she was in sports too um like basketball she just wasn't really into martial arts she's very um she's a kind-hearted sweet um kind of keeps to herself i was more you know rambunctious i guess you can say um we both were tomboys i mean our we grew up in a neighborhood where pretty much all the boys all the kids our age were boys so right. we just played with the boys and our house was in the cul-de-sac so right. everyone would come to the cul-de-sac and play true um so you know we those, ran the block those neighborhood sure. dynamics bro they, yeah, you dude. know you start establishing yourself as a person as at a real young age you know what i mean yeah you know we got the <laughs> basketball hoop hey <laughs> it's those cul-de-sacs dude I, actually i had a friend josh center it's, that's where we all hang out because his house was on the cul de sac. Just put a basketball court out yep. there, dude. Nobody yeah. bothered you. It's the rallying point. In the cul de sac, you know, we would throw rocks in the cul de sac, like just a whole <laughs> bunch of rocks, and then we'd ride our bikes and like bunny hop, try to go through, like zigzag through them. It's yep. supposed to be kicking and just random things. Yeah. You can do anything. Oh, that's yeah, a funny word, go. dude. Just saying. Going back to running movies, what was your favorite, like, uh, ninja movie? Like, I remember watching Three Ninjas. Three Ninjas. <laughs> dude, say that shit was cool as fuck. If you have Hulu, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu? Okay. Oh, yeah, it is. Dude, I just I'm it. doing that after this because, like, <laughs> I used to watch that movie a fuckload. Like, I love that fucking movie. And they had, like, I think they had three of them, right? Three of them, yeah. Three yeah. Ninjas, Three Ninjas Strike Back, I think, yeah. and then another one. And I think they were all fucking cool. I think I remember yeah. liking yeah. all yeah. of them. The first one was my favorite one. They were all good. 
So what was yeah. your uh, go-to uh, martial arts movie as a kid? Uh, best of the Best. Okay. Best I've never seen best that one. Blood Sport and Kickboxer. Okay. Have you seen any of no, those? Dude, no, dude. I got to look that up. Are what? those are those like super hardcore like martial art movies? Or I was thinking like something with like Jackie Chan or something. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you've never seen Bloodsport or Kickboxer? Look it up, Chris. No, look it up. I, I haven't. Oh my God. Hold on. I'm going to look. Best, that's a gem. Like that's, that's a really good one. Not a lot. I mean, true martial art fans, I feel like I've watched it. But like Kickboxer and Bloodsport, that's on TV all the time. Okay. Yeah. Bloodsport blood was released in 1988. Okay. And then what was the other one you said? Uh, Kickboxer, Kickboxer, which is also a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Oh, if that yeah, guy's in that movie, and I'm then watching best it. Of the best. Okay, best I've, of the best is Eric Roberts right. in it, which is Julia Roberts' brother. That's the mm. Okay, I've seen this movie. I've seen the cover of the Kickboxer movie. Yeah, when boring. you see a guy without a shirt in the in the, <laughs> in the front of the movie, the dude that's... That's crazy. Okay, so I'm going to have to go and watch uh, these movies because I honestly, and I'm being totally honest, had never even like watched any of those movies before this guy you. doesn't watch movies. yeah i don't i'm not really like a movie guy if i tell you my favorite martial arts movie is three ninjas that should be like a fucking red flag I'm like well, i mean if i'm going like with a, a as a like a kid's karate movie three ninjas obviously okay, is one yeah. of the best all right what about you so i give you that i give you that what about I you know, Lisa? I, I used to watch a lot of like jet lee movies okay i respect so. that a lot of people did that i'm not, I'm not a huge jet lee fan oh you're not and i know i'm just not oh, wow Wow. Why not? I mean, I usually fight people that say that, but I'm going to skip this one. <laughs> I'm going to skip that on, on this one. You should have sit this one out. <laughs> I want to see, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. dude. Uh, trust me, you do not want to either yeah. fight or wrestle, Courtney. Trust me, we'll get into that yeah, a little fuck bit. Jelly, dude. But okay, so um, how did you end up in El Paso? Like, did you end up here because you played soccer at UTEP? Or like, what? Like, right. is that the sole reason that you got here? Yeah, sole reason. The sole reason. I didn't even know El pa like the University of Texas El Paso <laughs> was a school until I got a letter. And oh. it was actually a letter that I had like tossed away as a like not a tossed away, but I kind of said like I had already replied to it. My mom was going through all my recruitment letters and she's like, You never re he didn't even open this one. And I was like, Ah, oh, because I didn't know what it was. Right. You know, I was looking for, you know, big schools that I knew of. You she know, thought it was, was like a community college or something. <laughs> yeah. what, what, just then I got the letter, I read it, and I was like, man, full ride scholarship, five years. Nice. So I'm in, I'm, like, to give us like a taste of like what it was like uh, being recruited, like who else was like recruiting you besides UTEP? Uh, ASU, U of A, um, BYU, Hawaii. I had a letter from Pepperdine. Yeah. Like, a whole bunch, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of them. A yeah. lot of like um, Metro State, like some Division two schools and stuff like that. I always wanted to go to D1 school, so um, I ended up going to a D1 school. Nice. So what position did you p play in soccer? Uh, I was mainly a striker, but I played everywhere. When I got to UTEP, they, um, I played striker my freshman, sophomore, junior year and i think my senior year i started moving around a little bit they kind of kept me on the field as much as possible so i was like midfielder outside mid played uh we had um a girl get injured uh one of our defenders and i kind of stepped up and was like i'll i'll play defense i could still score out of the back so um you play like a so, right back or left back uh whatever i 
Left or right. It didn't, whatever sideline, normally whatever sideline our team was on, that's what I would stay on. So I would just flip flop. Okay, cool. That's what's up. So you played four years or did you, did you play a fifth year? Four years. So I was the only true senior on the team. Okay, nice. So no red shirt years, no, no, no nothing. True athlete, dude. Do you have like a, like your most memorable, like uh, game or moment while playing soccer for UTEP? I think it was, I think maybe it was my, Sophomore year, maybe I came off the bench with playing Colorado College. I don't. I think that's what they're Colorado College. I don't know. But we're Colorado team. We did not like them. They were tough. <laughs> we were. We. It was just always a back and forth. Um, but I came off the bench and I got an assist and a goal. And so this, I think the assist was the tire, and then the goal was the game winner. Hell yeah! Or vice versa. I'm not sure how it went, but yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome, dude. That was big. Yeah, I'm sure that um, felt fucking amazing scoring like a game winner. Even at the collegiate level, you're just like, like yeah, let's dude. go. Yeah, I always had fun playing. College was, um, you know, college, being college athletes tough. Um, but when it came to, you know, Friday night games, especially home games and, you know, rival games and things like that, it, it was always fun. I think that's what kind of got me through is knowing that at the end of the week, I'll be able to play a game. Okay, that's what's up. That's dope. Yeah, and then like, yeah, I guess living the life of a student athlete, it's, it's tough because they demand like a lot of you, you know, like you got to have your academics, you got to go to like work out every day, you got to practice and then you still have to travel and then do all that and then play the game. You know what I mean? So like, is there anything you miss about that? Or, or are, you, are you better off doing what you're doing now? Um, I'm, I actually, I miss soccer a lot. Like I really do. Um, my senior year, I had a pretty bad injury and I had to battle through that for like the last man, it was like senior night. It happened. So I would say probably the next like six, seven games. Cause we went into the conference tournament after that. So I don't know. It was, um, I just wish I could have done a little bit more as far as soccer in between my junior and senior year. Uh, I went and played for the Seattle Sounders uh, oh, semi-pro. Shit. That's what's up. Um, and then came back and played my senior year. But, yeah, I just wish I would have been able to to do a little bit more after, you know, my college career. But, you know, things what, happen, and I was able to start fighting. What kind of uh, injury did you suffer? I shattered my tailbone. Oh, oh. Jesus. How did you do that? Uh, I got taken out by a goal, the goalkeeper. Ooh. So what so it I was like a foot. like set the scene was it like a cross or like what was it like a corner kick or what? I can't even I, to honestly I can't even remember it was so long ago. I I think I I think it was a cross like um like a corner kick or something like that and I went up and I just kind of got undercut and I fell on my butt. Oh um, my god. I'm sure, and I'm like sure. normally like when you like bruise your tailbone, you break your tailbone, you like break it at the like the tip and I like broke it like up here <laughs> and then like continue to play and run. And I kept, was like, dude, there's something wrong with my legs. Like then my leg would go numb and they're like, Oh no, you're, you're fine. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> you can still so move in your back, you know? And I was like, no, there's something wrong. And finally, like six months later, I finally went and got an X and like, cause it was, I thought they thought it was my back cause I was getting paralysis in my leg, but the X-ray was fine. And finally, um, they were sending me to a chiropractor and the chiropractor was like, well, have you ever got your like, 
a little bit lower x-ray like your your back and butt and i was like no and then they finally did and the doctor came out and he's like oh you broke your ass yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's like problem solved <laughs> like your fucking ass is broken no wonder it's your legs <laughs> fucking oh going, Man, it was terrible going to class like sitting running like, oh, was- oh i can only imagine for six like months that. dude that. six months doing that dude my ass is hurting right now oh, talking dude, about yeah, so it so i played it all the way through like I don't know, whatever season comes, I don't know if it's spring season, I guess, like when, I don't know, I guess spring season. So we don't technically have, they don't play us a lot. We just travel with the team and they use us because they start playing all the freshmen and and things like that. Yeah. Um, But still traveling and, you know, getting, getting some minutes and things like that. It was just, it was just a lot. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So let's, let's, let's transition from the soccer talk here. Um, I want to get, kind of get into the way that we met each other. And I was telling Misa, like, the way we met each other is super random. And then, like, now, looking back, like, in hindsight, you're like, wow, like, fucking, who would have thought back in, like, 2009, which is when I believe I met you, um, yeah. who would have thought that, like, you know, like, 11 years later down the road, like, we would, like, be able to reconvene in a setting like this where we're doing a fucking podcast you know what i mean and honestly we just turned on the fucking zoom meeting and we were like hey what's up what's up yeah. let's go yeah, let's start it <laughs> up right now <laughs> there was like no like because i mean we, we we talked through text but like we yeah. were just texting like in regards to this or like scheduling this and before i hadn't talked to casey in like fucking 10 years uh, because uh she was just doing her thing but i had followed her like since way back on facebook and i had her on on ig so like there's always been that connection but the way we know each other guys is we used to work at dc shoes at the outlet mall which is no longer there the store is no longer there the outlet mall is still there don't panic people (laughs) chill out (laughs) the store is out there um if i remember correctly like you knew like ray corona right is that how you fucking got there is that how that worked or Tony or no, you? I, I didn't know anyone. Oh, you didn't know anyone. I don't know if you remember Jessica Salvi came in. Yeah. She worked there for a little bit. So yeah, she, that, wor- she went and worked there. So she was our goalkeeper and she's like, Oh, I'm going to go apply to DC shoes. That's and what I was, like, was going to say. She had, my mom was like, you got, you got to get a job. And I was like, all right, sweet. I'll get a job. <laughs> yeah, Cor- <laughs> Courtney had a friend that worked there too, but she also played soccer. Oh, at yeah. I remember that. And she I forgot. Yeah, I forgot she her name. What what was her name again? Jessica Salvi. Jessica. Okay. That's yeah. what's up. Okay. So we started working there. And I think you were working there before me, right? I think so. And then you got hired. And man, we worked, I think, only not too long together yeah. at DC. And then I got moved over to Quicksilver. They brought me over to Quicksilver. Right. So I just went across the way to Across the way. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day, uh, Quicksilver was also at the outlet and they were like the parent company to DC Shoes. So um, like we knew like everybody that worked at Quicksilver and everyone that worked at Quicksilver knew us. So it was like a big mingling of people. Um, but I remember like, and I don't even know how this started, but we would like, like grapple each other. Like I, like, I don't even know where I got this idea because like I knew you were fighting back then. Yeah. And I was yeah. like a senior, like I had just gotten out of high school. Like I was just like, fucking being dumb or whatever and then i don't know why picking fights with with people dude just like that and you you picked on courtney yeah, no. i think he was like i think he said i don't think you can take me down <laughs> take you down and then it went like from i don't think you can take me to down to i don't think you can choke me out and then, it started like, and then there was like a time frame yeah like we had to do it but i feel like 
at the end of it, it was it was all on camera. It was. And then like and then Ray like because Ray was like the head of Quicksilver, but he kind of like oversaw DC a little bit too, right? Yeah, because they were like, like changing managers at that time, so they relied was, on Ray. Yeah. He was like, "What is going on in the store? You guys can't be doing this. Like, this is sexual harassment. This is, this is that like <laughs> just like Casey's just delete like, it. Like, don't show anyone. Like, the store's dead. Like." Yeah, like, yeah, we was like, okay, so when you would walk into the store, obviously, there'd be like, there's a fuckload of space, there's a bunch of shoes and stuff. So we would move like the furniture and make like this little like, we would clear like the concrete and like get down. We would wrestle like in the store. Like <laughs> you told me, uh, I remember Chris told me this story a while back. And he's all like, dude, she almost broke my arm in like less than 15 seconds. <laughs> Like, tap, and he's like, no, and I'm like, tap, and I was like, I'm gonna break it. Like, oh, crazy, mama ain't raised here? no bitch, bro. Mama <laughs> ain't raised no bitch. I wasn't tapping for no one, <laughs> dude. Uh, and then dude. looking back now, I'm like, God, you're so fucking stupid, Chris. Like, she could have fucking killed you if she wanted to, yeah, dude. Maybe, the, maybe that gave her motivation to, like, dude, if I could kick Chris's ass, <laughs> I could kick Chris's butt, yeah, I definitely can. I can do this for for, an, for a living for sure. Yeah, well, she was like, "Oh, I beat this competition." Guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she straight up roasted me right now. Uh, uh, but for real, like, shout out to all like the DC, the DC Quicksilver crew, fucking Tony Adon, fucking Ray Corona, fucking Rigo. Do you remember Isaac, big tall ass Isaac? Yeah, big tall Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like, and, uh, like what who are you? The big the white guy at. That was Ray's best friend. Oh, fucking. Was Rose, that? Roseburg. Rose and Rose. Remember, what is his last name? Like Roseberry or something like that? Chris. Chris. Yeah. Chris and yeah. then Sean also. That was another fucking guy that was there. But yeah, shout oh, out. Sean, the stoner kid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's always got to be one <laughs> Yeah. I love that kid. He was the best. Yeah. He was the best. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to price override this. Price override. <laughs> <laughs> He was just changing the prices of whatever he wanted. Uh, There's a, I, I wonder why that store went out of business. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, people getting choked out. <laughs> running up the... Lawsuits waiting to happen running. all over the fucking place. Just waiting to happen. Yeah, that was, that's funny. So, <laughs> okay. So, I remember, like, back in those days, you were kind of, like, fighting, like, in... Uh, What's that place called? Lordsburg, right? Lordsburg, New Mexico. So how did how did that start? Like, how did you even get into contact with people over there to start fighting? Um, it happened quick. All that stuff happened quick. So I did. A, I started training jujitsu, and I only was doing it for like three months. And then I, they had like a tournament, like a Naga or some kind of tournament that came to El Paso. So I entered that. It was all guys. Um, I won. And there was some guy from, at the time, he was from um, Roswell, New Mexico. And he was putting on a show in like another three months. He's like, hey, have you ever considered doing MMA? And I was like, no, but what's up? And he's like, well, I got this girl who's O&O. Like, would you, you know, amateur, would you want to you want to fight her? And I was like, yeah, sure. When is it? And he told me, and I was like, all right. So I started training for that fight, which was like three months later. So in total of six months, I had a jiu-jitsu tournament and then my first fight. And I won that fight. It was double down promotion. And I won in the third round by arm bar. And the guy paid me all in $2 bills. Like that what? was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So like. <laughs> why, wait, why, why did he do that? 
That was like it because it was double down promotion. So, so he had to go to all these banks to get oh all their two dollar bills so he could pay the fighters for whatever tickets they sold. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. And then I had made a deal with him because as an amateur, you really can't get paid. So I had made a deal with him um, about ticket sales and then him having to pay my gas for driving and things like that. And he, you know, so he did that. So I think I only made like 300 bucks. But still, it's good, you know, considering most amateurs fight for free or only ticket sales. Right. And then from there, I went to Lordsburg, New Mexico, where I fought, you know, a few times there. And then I moved back to Arizona. Wow. And I took, I took a, a little bit of time off there, like about a year just to train. Because when I got to Arizona, like, look, dude, you have barely been you know training you've only training less than a year almost and you already have four fights like you need to train a little bit more and then we'll get you some better fights and some bigger promotions because those promotions were super small right um and then um yeah from there i, I fought i think two fights in arizona uh i had two, i won two belts and then i went to tough enough which is like the biggest amateur organization I think, I mean, arguably it really is, but in my eyes, it's, it's ran better than some of the pro organizations as well. And that's out of uh, Vegas. Okay. And I went there and fought there. And then, uh, my second fight, I fought for the belt and then I had a title defense. I won. And then I got a, had a title defense. And then after that, I got picked up to a major pro organization and then it just slowly. And it just went from that's there. Crazy, that's what's up. Dude. Like, so like, the way you got all these connections was just from like meeting like different promoters or like what was yeah, like just meeting different promoters, um, showing up to like different events seen, and like, stuff like Dana white looking for a fight. Like he has like a whole thing where him and his crew go and they look, they go to these smaller organizations and, um, they look for fighters like potential fighters. Well, <clears> that's been going on forever. Um, so other promoters will go to other shows or they'll send someone to go to other shows to find talent. And then they, you know, book them to fight as long as most of the time it's like within a, a small area within like a couple states where it's cheap to fly them or they can drive things like that. Right. Yeah. And where you can like communicate real easy and it doesn't cost people a lot of money. It doesn't so, cost people because the amateurs aren't getting paid. Right. So most, most shows they're putting on, it's a, it's a big show and they have like two really good guys or three really good guys that are pro guys, but the rest of the whole other show is all amateurs. Right. But to a normal person like you guys who just come to watch the fights, they see guys beating each other up and don't understand that there's a difference between the amateurs and the pros. They're just like, well, this guy's not throwing elbows, you know? Yeah. Cause we don't, as, as amateurs, we don't wear headgear or shin guard. We shin guards or anything like that. We look exactly the same as the pro guys, except for our rounds or three minutes. And then there's no elbows and there's no knees to the head. Okay. Yeah. But so to a normal person, you guys don't know because sometimes yeah. there's pro guys that don't throw elbows, you right. know? <laughs> yeah. No I'm not, not going to so like, you guys, it's just fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be able to tell the difference between like an amateur and like somebody who's getting paid. You know what I mean? Like right away, you're just like, I want to be entertained. That's like what you watch for. And then um, you just look like for the knockout, like that's what it's about, you know, yeah. unless you're like a big, big fan. Then you start getting into like the like the details and like, you know, yeah. like understanding like the moves and the way that they're fighting and their strategy behind it, because obviously all that is there. Um, but like where like all these fights were like they like on Facebook or like were they like streamed anywhere? Or was it all just like Facebook had like a Facebook li like they didn't have Facebook live or anything at the time. So it was on just, MySpace. 
<laughs> you would just get your DVD. You could ask for the DVD if they were lucky to give you a DVD at like Damn. three months wow, after dude, the fight. That's crazy. Damn. And, and so during that time, during that time, did you ever like have doubts or did you ever just think like, now nah, I'm done with this. I don't want to continue. Well, I was working full time at the time as well. So I really was just doing it as being an athlete my entire life. It was just fun to compete in something. It was fun to train. I mean, going from training your entire life since you were a kid to all of a sudden not having anything to train for was weird to me. So when I got hurt, like I was like, I got to do something. So I started doing, you know, yoga. And then I was like, dude, you can't compete in yoga. Like <laughs> at the time I was recovering from my tailbone. So like I wanted to do something. And then um, a classmate was like, hey, come to the gym. And I thought we were going to go lift. And he took me to Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And then from there, that's just kind of how it started. Um, Starting putting people so in arm bars. It, it, yeah, it filled that void for me. But it was never in my head like, I'm going to go do this as a profession. It was just something that was, I could train every day. I could learn something new every day. And then if I get a phone call to fight, I get a phone call to fight and I make a little money. <laughs> Dude. Uh, you know, I just want to go back and laugh at something you said. <laughs> You're like, I tried yoga and I just wasn't satisfied with the competition level. Like she's like, I can only imagine Courtney like in a yoga class, right? Everybody's got mats on the floor, and then she's like, just trying to What's good? Like, you know what I mean? Or she's like, I can fucking meditate like super yeah. better than you. <laughs> and they're like, ma'am. They're like, ma'am. They're like, ma'am, Miss Casey. Like, well, you know we come here to relax. Yeah, they, they'll tell you, be like, and if you want to move on to the advanced position, you can do this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking doing that. <laughs> <laughs> she shows up to the yoga with like background music and then somebody walking in with her belt behind Mode her. Machine. Oh, <laughs> shit, that's hilarious. Yeah, because I was thinking like, like, uh, like what Misa said, like, yeah, was there ever like a point in time like where like you're like, do is this really worth it? But for you, it was kind of like. It wasn't that like it wasn't set up in that way. It was kind of like an outlet for you to train because you wanted to be disciplined and conditioned and like have like a routine. And then it turned into developing into something that you can like make a living off of. You know what I mean? So yeah, that right there is crazy. And like, I think that also shows like how committed you are to just like, you know, being like an athlete, you know, because that's not just something that people understand. Like, it's an everyday thing to be a fucking athlete. It's not you just show up to the game and play. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a lifestyle. Like being an athlete is like 100% a lifestyle. And no matter what you do, whether you're doing soccer, basketball, you know, football or martial arts, like you literally have to just live it. You have to wake up every morning. You have to have a routine. You have to eat healthy. You have to, you know, make sure your body's, you know, your body, your mind, everything. And then with martial arts, there's so many different things you have to learn that you'll never learn at all. Like yeah. you'll just never learn. All. You can start jujitsu at the age of four and go all the way to 90 and still not learn everything. Right. Damn, dude. Yeah. Because as a, like a, as an art or like quote unquote art, martial arts, like there's so much under the umbrella, like all these different fighting styles and like to learn one and then be introduced into another one. It's like almost hitting the reset button, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, and, and it just <laughs> evolves like the, it evolves like the game of basketball evolves, but it's still, you got to put the ball in the hoop, right? It's not like people are shooting the ball, like crazy different or like kicking it in. You know what I mean? It's the same, it's the same thing. You just get better at it. You know what I mean? They're now making three point shots from half court, like consistently. They're just, but at the end of the day, like with even like just for instance, jujitsu, like, 
it goes from arm bars, triangles, omoplatas, you know, barren bolos going upside down. Like the game evolves every month, let alone every year. You know what I mean? Where basketball has been basketball from day one. Right. So it's a, it's a little bit different. Like you, if you, you skip a couple practices at basketball, like you still can go back on the court and still shoot some hoops. You skip a, you skip a week or a day in jujitsu and you're lost right. because everyone else, it just evolves so quickly. Right. That's crazy, dude. That's Chris, you should, you should start doing jujitsu and then like <laughs> challenge Courtney again. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. I think, <laughs> no, actually like, uh, I retired after like we uh, had our, like our match, our bout at oh, BC. Your like, arms was, like, just never the same. He was, he was the cream of the crop and I just came in there and just destroyed him. So it was like, there was nowhere else for me to go after that. You crushed his dreams. Now he had to to uh, start a podcast because of that. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to be a fighter. But I think I think what we can all take away from this is that I am the start of your UFC career. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it all started with me. <laughs> like, just, hey, you first, never topped out. I ne- yeah, if I would have tapped, you would have given up. But no, I never did. <laughs> God bless Chris. All right, so we are coming up on the 34th minute mark here, guys. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk to Miss Courtney a little bit about like how she really got into like the UFC and like getting into like fighting at that level, because obviously we talked about how, you know, there's levels to this and, and um, you know, it's always changing and evolving. So you have to be at the peak of your performance. So we'll get into that. And then we we have a new segment, right, Misa, that we're mm-hmm. going to premiere today. It's going to be called um, What Makes Me Rage. So it's kind of like a grind my gears segment, but we'll talk. We'll do a little bit of that towards the end, and then we'll do uh, five random questions uh, to, to cap it off. So with that being said, guys, episode number 61, Conversing with Chris and Misa, the podcast. Uh, make sure you guys go like and subscribe. We're going to take this break, and we will be right back. Yo, what's good? It's your boy Hoodie Chris from Conversing with Chris and Misa, the podcast. I'm here to tell you guys about I and I Glass. Their link is below. You need to go check them out. I and I Glass makes handcrafted glass products locally here in the 915. And they range in uses from pipes, uh, decorations, jewelry, pendants, and more. My boy Luis even got himself a goddamn hummingbird, bruh. So, make sure you guys go hit up my boy Aaron Lee and tell him that Chris and Misa sent you from the podcast. And go support a local El Paso business today. Let's go. Alright guys, we are back from our break. Episode number 61, Conversing with Chris and Misa, the podcast. Like we've said a thousand times, guys. Uh, Go follow us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, make sure to subscribe to our our, uh, YouTube channel. Matter of fact, shout out to Misa's sister. She Mm -hmm. was our 200th subscriber today. My sister Vivian. Shout out to that. It took 199 people to subscribe (laughs) first in order for her to (laughs) jump on in. What a great sister, dude. Here, a round of applause for that. (laughs) Thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate Uh, it. Okay, guys. For episode 61, like we said, uh, we're with a... our friend of the podcast, Miss Courtney Casey. How are you feeling the vibe today? Uh, uh, good. Vibes, vibes good. I wish I had a beer with you guys, but, you know, camp life. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, would, <laughs> I would save you one, but mm, I don't think that's going to happen. 
<laughs> no, it's totally understandable. Maybe like we can catch you at another time in the future and we can have a drink together. I think that would really like be cool because yeah, it kind of does shift the vibe when, uh, yeah, for sure. you know, when you kind of like have a drink with somebody, but it's, it's real cool. So, uh, thank you once again for being here today. So we kind of wanted to talk to you like we in the first half was just getting to know you. We want our audience to get to know you a little bit, kind of uh, see where you're coming from and like how you grew up and, you know, what it what like what like your path was to get to where you are now. So um, you have fought in, in UFC several cards. Uh, you were on the ultimate fighter, right? Um, so tell us. No, she wasn't. Dude. No, you weren't on the ultimate fighter or what the what is it? The UFC uh, fight night. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, yeah, but fight nights are just like regular cards. Okay. Yo, yeah, yeah, Chris. Real quick. <laughs> yes, man. You are a loser. <laughs> my bad, my bad. I dropped the ball on that one. Okay, so tell us how you got into that. Like, where did that relationship come from? And then how, like, I, I'm, I'm assuming the very first time you fight for UFC, that's different than anything that you've done before, right? Yeah, it was, that was crazy. The first, the first one was crazy. Um, so like I said earlier, <clears throat> I fought for Tough Enough, which was the biggest um, amateur organization. And from there, I got picked up to XFC, which was a major organization on network TV, which was on Access TV. So I never really fought any local pro shows. I went straight to a mainstream, you know, pro organization. Nice. Um and that first and that then, first one um uh you won by TKO, right? First round? Uh first one I won by submission. Submission. Yeah, oh. second fight was a title fight. I lost that fight. And then the XFC was in this weird buying thing and moving to Brazil and all this kind of weird stuff. So we were kind of stuck in this weird um contract because they weren't putting on shows, but yet we weren't out, allowed to be out of our contract. And then it was a whole big ordeal. So I took almost like a year off and then um, my contract lapsed. So I was able to get out of my contracts and I ended up signing with PXC, which was a big organization over in um, like Asia and stuff. So I fought in Manila, uh, the Philippine, um, Manila, Guam, and then Manila. So I fought in Manila twice, um, Manila, Guam, Manila. But um so that was a big organization over there where they signed a lot of um, UFC was signing a lot of guys from there. But at the time when I was an amateur, I fought all my amateur career and my first two uh, pro fights in XFC at 125. And then when I went to the Philippines um, and signed with PXC, I fought at 115 pounds. And at the time, UFC only had a 135 pound division which was Ronda Rousey's division. And then they opened up the 115 pound division where they had the ultimate fighter show, which okay. I was not on. <laughs> <laughs> you get that, Chris? No, I don't. Write I just, I, I read Keep it. I, just, it I read it in this thing that I saw about you, but obviously, um, you know, don't trust everything you read on the internet guys. We've yeah, been saying don't trust this. It. So, I, so I went on a, a three fight win streak over there, but I, I fought one of my fights at 110 pounds. And with that win, I got ranked as an atom weight and Invicta at the time was the biggest, like all women's, well, it's the only all women's, uh, promotion. And they had, they wanted to sign me. So I, I ended up signing with Invicta. And again, for some reason they went on like a six months hiatus and didn't have any shows. And in that time, the ultimate fighter was going on for the 115 pound division. 
when that ended, all, all those girls were starting to fight. And Jojo Calderwood, her fight ended up falling out. And it was in her hometown of Scotland. And I got a phone call saying, hey, do you want to fight Jojo Calderwood for the UFC? And I said, yeah. And they're like, sweet. It's in 10 days. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was like, shit. So at the time I was in Hawaii, I was living in Hawaii, but I was just so happened to be down in Arizona visiting my family. So I was in Arizona, got the phone call. Granted, I had 10 days. So I had 10 days to fill out all my paperwork, fly back to Hawaii, train, cut weight, go to Scotland and fight all in 10 days. And I didn't know I was, I didn't even, wasn't even cleared to fight until the day of weigh-ins. Because when I got to Scotland, I had to get my brain scanned and my heart done and all that stuff to be able to be cleared to fight. So I'm cutting weight, doing all this, and still don't even know if I'm going to fight. And then finally, I got a text message after uh, the ceremony away and said all my stuff was good to go. So I fought my my first fight in the UFC on 10 days notice against Jojo Calderwood, who was number ninth in the world at the time. In her hometown of Scotland. In her hometown of Scotland. <laughs> okay, so how crazy was that place that you guys were fighting in? Like, what was the atmosphere like? Uh, nuts. <laughs> it was crazy. We she we came out and it, it was crazy, like so loud. And then she came out and it got even louder during the fight. It was so loud, like um, <laughs> it was crazy. Couldn't hear the bell. <laughs> no, that, that was my second fight. My second fight got so loud they could we couldn't hear the bells. And the ref had to jump in. <laughs> oh, damn. damn. That's crazy, dude. Okay. So, mad? like, so I guess kind of put me, like, in your head when you're, like, going over there to Scotland. Like, when does it, like, really, really set in? You're like, oh, shit, I'm about to make my USA, de- like, debut. Like, what is that like? It was, I don't think I ever got really got to process it because it was so quick. So fast, um, right? It was so fast. Uh, I think after the fight. Um, when things started settling down and we were on our way back to the bus or we were actually on the, on the bus on the way back to the hotel and the person sitting in front of me turned around and was like, Hey, congratulations. And I, I lost the fight. And I was like, uh, thanks. And I was like, <laughs> coach. And I was like, I lost. And he's like, yeah, that was weird. And then, and then the other guy, uh, like two seats up, turned around. And he's like, Hey, congrats. Your fight was awesome. You got fight of the night. And I was like, what? And then I ended up getting fight of the night bonus. So yep, that yep. made everything a little bit easier. Yeah, you're like, hell yeah, fuck like, yeah. Oh, shit, okay, I did make some money tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's dope. It, it probably hit her like 10 days after the fight. Like, yo, did I just fight in the US? <laughs> was that me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure like, I mean, what was your family's reaction to that? I'm sure they were like super pumped for you, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, my family's been super supportive of, of the whole journey. Um but yeah, it was it was kind of it was it was pretty crazy. My mom actually ended up flying out um, to the fight, uh, which was cool. Um, she pretty much just dropped everything and was like, "I'm not missing this." And <laughs> from a mom who didn't want to watch any of my fights to like, "I'm not missing it," was was pretty cool. Right, that's awesome. And then not only just like it, like it's a fight. It's in fucking Scotland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like goddamn, fighting the number nine in the world. So, and like, how would you compare fighting over there, like in Scotland, to like fighting in like these Asian countries? Is it like similar? Or is it just like totally different? It was just bigger. I mean, obviously, the UFC is a bigger promotion. Fighting a hometown girl and things like that, it's it's a little bit different. Right. Um. 
so after I got that one out of the way, and then I again, my second fight was uh, Sohi Ham, which she was like the first um, fighter from her her country to you know make it in the UFC, only female fighter. So that fight was crazy. We got fight of the night again, and then I fought. Then I think I fought like Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then that felt like normal again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was going over to these like hostile territories, fighting their hometown girls. And it was it was just more atmosphere and the vibe because, you know, they're they're in their hometown. Yeah, everybody's against you at that point. You know what I mean? The, the whole that whole country's against <laughs> the you. Whole country. <laughs> Not even the whole arena. The whole guy. As soon as you get there, they're like, "Fuck yeah. this." We're yeah. not. Yeah, when, you're like, you better fucking lose. <laughs> when I fought, when I fought in Brazil, same thing. And they're chanting, "They're gonna kill you." You know, oh, you're gonna shit. die. Their chant is like, "You're gonna die" or something like. And they're that. waving like, guns too. <laughs> I'm sure that's like yeah. that's Crazy. great. Great hospitality, Brazil. Great hospitality. Yeah. Way to make your fighters uh, feel fucking welcome. <laughs> Jesus, dude. We should crazy, start doing dude. something like that here. <laughs> like start, you know, like chatting something. Well, we'll take you to one extent. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Just tell them that. <laughs> there are games we got like batteries thrown at us. I don't, I don't know oh, what you're talking about. Batteries? <laughs> yeah. Like fucking like small batteries, like the ones you put in your yeah. remote and shit? When we were, when we went, we went um, which is crazy because like, you know, El Paso doesn't have any pro team. So like soccer's big. So yeah. we had a lot of people come over and watch us play, but we went over and played the Mexican national team in Chihuahua and oh man, our fans that were our fans last week were not our fans that day. They flipped on you like <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they sell out for the national team, you know, they're like, fuck no yeah. Mexico. Nope. Yeah. That's sure. crazy. So fuck! Imagine getting hit with a fucking battery. You know what? You know why that's dangerous is because they're heavy, but you could throw them fucking fast. Long time. Yeah. God bless. That's scary. Okay, so then you ended up fighting on UFC 202, also, right? Yeah, Diaz McGregor. Yeah. Right. That's what's up. That's like I think I remember seeing fucking that like a picture on your social media, and I was like, no way! What the fuck, dude? No. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> like and it probably I like I probably like I said I hadn't fucking probably seen you in a long ass time and I saw that and I was like it's my girl I could still take her though <laughs> <laughs> never tapped out never tapped <laughs> that's crazy so how was that experience that was, yeah that was another crazy one um <laughs> I had just beat who did I beat I can't so, I think I I don't remember who I, I had just won and then they called me and were like hey do you want to fight on 202 and I was like yeah because I you know, yeah. I, in my head, I'm being Gregor Diaz. Yeah, I'll fight on 202. And then they send me my contract and I sign it. And then I'm looking over and I'm like, shoot, that's three That's three weeks of training. And and then the fight. So I only had four weeks to train for that fight. Well, three three working weeks and then fight week. Yeah, you fought You fought on July 13 against Christina Stancio. Stancio, yeah. Christina and, then, Stancio. and then you fought again, your next fight on August 20th. Damn, so that's a quick turnaround. Yeah. So, like, real fast, let's before we get into the the UFC card, like, uh, like when you're fight, fighting at a normal pace, like, how long do you like take off from training after a fight? Like, is it like a week or what's the recovery time? It all depends. It all depends, depends. on how the fight goes, and it True. all depends on what injuries you had going into that fight as well. You know, right. what I mean, bumps and bruises and things. Right. And then also, it just depends on if you get a phone call or not. You can get a phone call two days later if you're good to go and they know you're ready to go. 
or you could sit and just wait and wait and be ready to go and be like, Hey, like I'm ready to fight. And they're like, all right, we'll get you a fight. And then you're like, Hey, and then you're like, Hey, like I haven't fought in four months. You're like, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get, we'll get you on. And then you're like, shit. Like, and it's hard to train. Cause like people don't understand, like we don't have an off season. Right. It's not right. like football, basketball, soccer. And you have an off season. It's you, you don't know when you're going to fight at all. You literally have to stay in shape and you have to be ready to go. Cause if you get the phone call, and you say no, you don't know when you're going to get that phone call again yeah, right. because we're all, we're independent contractors. So does your training does your training change like um like with each fight? Uh, it, it adapts to the to the opponent a little bit. I mean, mine does. Mine adapts to the opponent a little bit depending on what they specialize in. But for the most part, I just continue to try to get better. Right. I just want to be a different fighter going into the cage because like everyone wants to game plan for a fighter um, who's say a striker, but who knows if they just didn't ha haven't had to use their jujitsu right? or they haven't had to use the wrestling. So you never know. And also they're training as well. They're training everything. They're not like just only going to the gym and striking like they're training everything. So dude, that's so you scary, don't know dude. what kind of opponent you're going to get. That's so scary, bro. I don't know about yeah. that. And then not only like, to me, the scariest part is like the level of competition that you could potentially face. You know what I mean? When they're like, you're like, oh, hey, guess who you're fighting? Not only is it just like another opponent, it's like, oh, it's this guy or it's this lady. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and it's in 10 days. Yeah. And it's in fucking, and it's in fucking like Brazil. So get your shit together and let's fucking go. You with? Are you down? You know what I mean? That's exactly. And that's pretty much how it's presented to you. It's like, <laughs> you, you want this fight or not? And you're yeah. like, uh, yeah, uh, like, yes. Time you to pay some bills, like. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because then you still have that aspect that like, the aspect of like, okay, I still need to be able to like make a living. So yes, I need to take that into consideration when people are approaching me for fights. You know what I mean? That's like another fucking thing that people don't think about it. Like you know, that's what yeah. I'm we don't get, we don't make millions of dollars, and and we don't have signing bonuses, and you know unions and yeah i like the way like i like the don't. way you said independent contractor yeah. we're an independent contractor we can we can get a contract and have a four fight deal win all of our fights and they can cut us right just like you can get a four fight contract and then they say i really don't like your name i'm gonna cut you Damn. you know you can say something on twitter and they don't like it and they can cut you yep it's crazy it's just it's just how it is so UFC UFC uh, two hundred two you you fought Ronda Marcos right and you ended up actually winning that one. Um, how was yeah. that? How was that card? I mean, obviously the atmosphere there was probably crazy, but like, uh, did that card stand out to you like apart from any other ones that you had previously been a part part of? Um, that one a little bit because she had never been submitted before, and she's known as a jujitsu girl, and I submitted her, so I was happy with that. Um, but other than that, no, it didn't stand out any. The only thing that really stands out for that fight card was the that was the the first fight that I met Donald Cerrone like not met him but like fought on a card with him, right. and um, we were in the same uh, workout area all week, so I kept seeing him throughout the week and and um, after weigh-ins you have to go you have you go and you do like a meeting with Dana. Dana sits down in front of the fighters and he's like, "This is going to be the best fucking card of the you know of the year." And, <laughs> I'm giving out fucking four, you know, and he's just dropping F bombs and his vibes going and 
Um, <laughs> Donald's very sitting back, back behind me, and he's kicking the back of my chair. And you know, it's those chairs that kind of like. So I'm sitting there like this. I was like, <laughs> I'm just like motherfucker. Like he's just, guy, you know, and he's just he was just fooling with me, you know, as a as a newer fighter. And um, so that that's what I remember a lot. And then also the ceremonial weigh-ins, like Connor. Uh, he was in the back and his persona is so different when he's just himself. And then when the camera, when he sees a camera on him, he instantly like, yeah, he does. And it was a younger Connor too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was still a younger Connor. And just to see how he's evolved from, from then to now is, is pretty cool. That's right. crazy. I wanted to ask you, has it, has it always been Courtney cast iron Casey? Yep. It's always been Courtney cast iron Casey. Um, what, 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 uh, how did you come up with that? Is it just like, a- um, it was given to me. Oh, Fight nice. names are normally given to you. Some okay. people make up their own, which is weird, or they change it because they want to, they're going through stages in life. Who knows? But <laughs> fight names are no- normally given to you. Um, so it was in El Paso. Uh, I was fighting, I was training out of, um, a gym out there and I was, I was obviously the only girl in the smallest person in the gym, uh, by at least 50 pounds. I think the smallest person that fought at that time was at like 155 or 145. And we would do these round robins. So like freshman in every time. And there's this big, huge guy. I can't remember his name. And he was like, you're like a little cast iron skillet. You just get thrown (laughs) in the fire and you come out unscathed. And I was like, "Uh, okay. That's my name, I guess. Hey, Chris would have been like Chris No Tap Marquez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris No Tap. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good fighter name, right? People would be like, well, automatically the first thing they're going to think is like, I'm going to tap this guy's fucking. I'm Right? That's the first thing they're fucking saying. With, with this guy probably doesn't pay for his tab either. <laughs> that shit's funny. Okay. Uh, so okay, so one of the, and we we, I, we talked about this off off uh, off mic, but there is a fight that you were involved uh, in, and it was a UFC two eleven against Jessica Aguilar. That one was like I don't know if it was like a controversy or, but like some things happened after the fact, right? That kind of like they almost took the W away from you, like no, no, they did, or they did, right? But then like they, and then they, they gave it back. Yeah, they revoked and it, and they're like, "Here you go." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this fight was in Texas. True. <laughs> okay. okay. So each state has their own commission, right? So the Texas Boxing Commission is different than Arizona, California, whatever. Nevada, they all have different whatever. rules and regulations. Yep. So we're on the bus going to the venue and we're told by a blue shirt, UFC blue shirt guy. So there's different color blue shirts that help out throughout fight week and things like that. So they get on the bus and they're like, Hey, no one go pee. Texas has decided to test everyone. They're testing everyone. And I was like, okay, sweet. You cannot fight until you get tested by the commission. We're letting you know. And if you miss your fight, you miss your fight because you didn't pee. You know what I mean? Like that's right. just kind of what they said. Cause they're on a time schedule. So we get tested. I get tested and you know, I pee, pee in the cup or whatever. And they don't tell me what they're testing for or anything like that. And you know, you just go cause you want to fight. So we go pee in the cup and have my fight win. Then 
think it was like two days later, um, I'm back home and I get a call from not my manager, but he's a manager of other fighters and he helped corner me when I was in Brazil. And so I knew of him and he was like, Hey, you tested positive for steroids. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, you tested positive for steroids. I was like, there's no, there's no way. And so I got on the phone with Jeff Novinsky, who is, um, he used to work for USADA. He's the guy that caught Lance Armstrong. Oh shit. True. Damn. So he's now works for the UFC on USADA's on USADA's end. He's their contact. So Jeff Novinsky goes to the vents and you know, whatever. So I didn't get tested by USADA that day. I only got tested by the the commission. So I called Jeff Novinsky and I'm like, Hey Jeff, uh, I just got a phone call saying I tested positive for steroids. And he's like, no, no one on the card tested positive for anything. And I was like, okay, well, I just got a phone call. And like within minutes, my phone starts blowing up and Texas ran an article. Well, not Texas. MMA junkie ran an article saying that I tested positive for steroids, Son of a which bitch. I didn't at all test positive for anything. <clears throat> my TE levels were elevated. So my testosterone to estrogen levels were elevated higher than what Texas has as a limit. But with a higher TE ratio, they have to do an additional test, which, which is an isotope ratio test. And Jeff Novinci's like, dude, you didn't test positive. I'm looking at your TE levels are a little bit elevated, like all this stuff. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And it was a three day weekend. Like, so I get a phone. I'm in the car. I'm freaking out. He's like, just relax. We're going to handle this. Like, don't, don't reply to anything. Don't, you know, nothing. I was like, shit, you know, I got my mom calling me, my sister calling me. I got, you know, like it's everywhere. Um, I live on Maui. It's all over Maui. I got people calling me like cheater and stuff in the, like, <laughs> oh, you're a fucking cheater. You know? And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. Dana, I get a phone call from Dana White. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yo, he called you up. Yo, like I talked to, I talked to Jeff. Everything's good. We're going to figure this out. You know, try to relax over the three day weekend. Like we'll get this handled. Dude, like two weeks go by. Like I had other (laughs) reporters like hit me up trying to figure out what was going on. Texas keeps calling me. Their commission is like, Hey, so what'd you take? Like, I'm like, dude, I didn't take anything and I didn't test positive. Like you have to run this second test. So in the, me- in the meantime, Jeff Novinci is telling him, like, just with an elevated TE ratio, you have to run the second test to see if it's a foreign substance that's making the TE level rise or if it's just naturally in your body. Right. Well, when you take birth control, depending on where you fall on your birth control, your TE levels go up and down. Some, some women just run high. Some, you know, some women run low. It just depends. It really just depends. He's like, so he had to use all of the evidence, all the testing that I've had taken from USADA previously, showed them that, that depending on what day of the month they were testing me, my TE levels were different, but they would always run the secondary test to make sure that it was clean. Right. And it was clean. So he finally, you know, they had explained this to Texas, like, dude, we we told you guys no one tested positive and you decided to run this and say that she tested positive. And not only that she tested positive, but you said that she tested positive for steroids, which is a false claim. So that all happened. They took away my win. I wasn't, I didn't get paid. 
Damn. Like you couldn't, didn't pay me my second, you know, like it was just a little bit weird. Cause they had to figure like legally, you know, it just sucked. And then finally, eventually I got like a, a generic email from Texas. Like, Oh, we reviewed some things and we went over and we understand that, uh, you know, we didn't take all the protocols we were supposed to and your turn at your win has been overturned back to a win. And, uh, Good luck in the future. And it's just like, My what? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, nonchalant. Like, yeah, so generic. I have lawyers, like, telling me, like, you can sue Texas. Like, we we're looking into that. And it was crazy. Like, it was just a big old shitstorm. But Jeff Novinsky, a couple of years later, went on Joe Rogan and explained, was talking to him about how he used USADA's program to catch Jeff to catch uh Lance Armstrong but then and that was his you know that's what he got famous for but he also said that what he's most proud of is using USADA's protocol to prove that an athlete was innocent hey. which was my case that's awesome so it was, it was pretty cool although I had to go through all that to deal with that I you know I understand now why USADA is implemented in sports to make sure one it's clean but also to make sure that we're not also being falsified as, as cheaters as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you don't want like these false allegations to get out there because like, yeah, that's oh, like a, I'm a sponsor. that's what I'm I was going to say. Yeah. And that's why like you could legally like, uh, you know, approach these guys and set like, uh, accuse them of like defamation. Like, Dude, that's yeah. just like that's what, what comes off the top of my head. You know what I mean? It, was a, it was a big thing. Like, but I guess you can only sue the state of Texas. Like everyone is like a two day thing every three years or something like that. And you present your case or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like something ridiculous. Like I had a so lawyer dumb. looking into it and I was like, man, it's not worth it. I it's just worth it. want this to be fixed, you know, like, right. and I want a public apology. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say like, at least re- release a goddamn statement and clear my name. Yeah. So like me testing positive was front. Front yeah, page of course. On- Right. All kind of, the retractment was like page like 90. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, like no one even heard about yeah, it. Yeah, nobody even fucking read that shit. Okay. So yeah, yeah. that that's crazy. So like So that happened. Yeah, so <laughs> but at least you got your win reinstated, right? That yeah, I mean Yeah, and I got my win reinstated, which was which was nice. Yeah, because like considering all things like you didn't like obviously, you know, it it kind of fucked you over, but at least to just say, "Hey, I got that fucking W." Like you're not going to take that from me, you know? We were looking at like the previous previous fights that you had scheduled, and and your last scheduled fight was on Halloween of 2020, right? And then that one yes. got uh, postponed or canceled. What happened to that? Canceled, canceled. Oh. Uh, the girl showed up really, really big, so I moved up to 125 pounds. So two fights ago, I fought my first fight at 125. So I had a win at 125, then I had a loss at 125, and then I was having i was gonna have this fight and i showed up fight week you know at a like 134 pounds you know not a lot of weight to cut was ready to go and my opponent showed up at 154 pounds God checked in at a, 154 pounds yikes <laughs> so i get a phone call from my manager and I'm, I'm like fuck so i answer it i'm like what's up and he's like what are you doing? I was like, what's going on? He's like, why does it have to be bad news? I was like, dude, it's fight week. Like it's, it has to be bad news. Like, you don't call me just to say like, what am I doing? What's He's up? Like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, what's up? How you feeling? 
he, he's like, your girl's going to miss weight. And I was like, 130, that's it. Like, I'll do a catch weight at 130 pounds. Like, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Like, I'm ready to go for 125. I'm feeling good. And he's like, no way it's going to happen. It's going to have to be at 135 pounds. And I'm like, a whole weight class up? Like, I, two fights ago, I was fighting at 115 pounds. Now I got to fight at 135 against, a, you know, like, I'm like, fuck. But you put in a lot of time, a lot of effort into camp. Plus, it's Corona camp, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. your training partners are scarce. You, you have to have your, your coaches come into your house. You know, you have to pay your training partners to not go out and party and come back and give you Corona. So you have to, like, isolate them as well. It's just a lot of money and a lot of time on top of, a nor- you know, a norm- what a normal camp would cost. And so I'm like, man, all right. Like, and I feel good. I'm like, all right, this girl's overweight. Let's do it. So we re- they resend me a contract. I sign it, fighting at 135 pounds. The, per- the Performance Institute, the PI, they're there to help make sure everyone cuts weight and they're giving us our food from Trifecta and all that. So they hear about it. They start giving me a whole bunch of food. They're like, hey, we're going to pump you back up to 140 pounds. So you just like <laughs> cut a little bit of weight because she's so big. Like you just don't want to just keep cruising around. And at 35, even though you feel good, like we want to like refill your body a little bit sooner than having to refuel a lot later um after the not cut cut you know let's start giving your body a little bit more food um and i was like all right sweet so i'm eating burritos and stuff and like just kind of chilling at the at the performance institute um hitting pads you know nothing crazy not cut weight i don't gotta cut nothing really and friday night a thursday night um i'm at 135 pounds i'm going to bed at 135 so and I just got done eating pasta and some food. I'm like, all right, sweet. But all that whole night, I was like, dude, there's no way. There's she's gonna miss weight. Like this, is like, and I'm just like, what's gonna happen if she misses weight? Do I do I still take the fight if she misses weight? Like now I'm moving up pretty much to a whole another weight class. Like I don't, and I gotta weigh, and now I'm like, I have to weigh in after her, so I don't weigh in too less because so say if she weighs in at 140 or 138 or 140, I would have to weigh in at 135 so that the commission will still let the weight that her us fight because there's a certain amount of weight that you can be in right. if you miss weight. Can't be too heavy. We'll just scrap the fights. So I'm like, fuck. So I'm like, okay, can't weigh in too early. Should I eat a little bit? Should I miss weight so that we can fight kind of thing? Like I'm thinking of all this stuff, and I'm like, you just got to sleep. You just got to sleep. And then I get a phone call at like 6 a.m from my manager. He's like, fights off. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, uh, I guess she slipped and fell and then passed out. And I was like, okay, so can't fight. And he's like, well, I guess she slipped and fell and hit her head and she started vomiting. So they called the emergency ambulance. They took her to the hospital. Your fight's off. So I slowly started hearing like the story of it. And like, at first it was like, she slipped and fell. Then it was she slipped and fell and hit her head. And then she slipped and fell, hit her head, and she started vomiting and, you know, what he had said. But it was, like, a progression throughout the night of, like, what had happened. Nonetheless, I didn't end up getting I didn't end up getting to fight, and I went home that night. I just packed up my stuff, you know, and they were like, all right, like. See you. There you go. Like, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and And do you get, like, some – like sort of compensation for that or is it kind of just like hey well you're on your own they they did give me uh compensation they gave me a little bit but nothing not even close to what i would have made right 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah and I'm sure that's super disappointing for you. You know, what yeah, I mean? it's, like, it's, it's just tough because, because my coaches are training me off of a certain percentage of what they would get from my fight. And then I didn't make that, you know, but I'm being the good person that I am. I still pay him off of that. Yeah. So I made a lot less than I would have. Yeah. So <laughs> wrapping up the UFC talk, uh, it seems like you've been like super fortunate to fight in all these great fights and I'm super happy for you. And like, like, I'm sure you feel fucking like super accomplished. Like that's so dope. So let's uh, transition. Let's uh, get ready to wrap up the podcast. Uh, we see that your son has joined us. Shout out to him. <laughs> he, he looks uh, he looks tired, but he, he looks also like a looks future good. fighter, dude. Yeah, that face looks yeah. like a future fighter. Look at him. And you said you said his name was Kingston, right? Yeah, Kingston. We okay. call him King. 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 Yeah, great name. Okay, so what we're gonna do, guys, like we like to do with our guests here, is do five random questions. Uh, we'll do Ooh. the five random questions, and we'll wrap this up. Okay. So, Misa, okay. you know what time it is? I do. It is time for the five random questions here at Conversing with Chris and Misa, the podcast hosted by your boy, Chris Marcus. Hey. Okay. So, Miss Courtney, let's let's yep. do these five random questions real fast. So, what is one invention that you think needs to become a re- reality today? So, like, example, like flying cars. What, what, what do we need to have that we don't have right now? Oh man, flying cars would be awesome. Hey, I say, but I feel, I feel like something that like washes, dries, and folds your clothes would be dope. Hey, a laundry bot, right there. There you go, or just a beer can that refills itself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so question. That's called a wife. That's called a wife. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question number two: Uh, Are you an iPhone or Samsung person? And why so? Like, why won't you use the other brand? Samsung, 100%. Whoa, shocker. Nice. Normally, everybody says iPhone, but what would it take? What would it take for you to switch over to an iPhone? Money. (laughs) (laughs) They would have to pay me to use an iPhone. I do not like it at all. Damn. At all. I also have problems with them. Like, I had, like, I always had problems with anything Apple. True. Like mm-hmm. my my iPods would always like not work and things like that. I don't know. Maybe I have weird electronic energy going through my body, but it just doesn't. <laughs> Do you see this iPod poster right here? I see it. <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> she said, "Take that shit off." <laughs> okay. So, uh, question number three. I, I I respect your answer. I'm like I fuck with both of them. They both they both work. So. I, I don't really care as long as I can make a call. Yeah. Like right. Text. As long as it works. Okay. So. Uh, Question number three, would you rather have a total knockout in the last round or would you rather end a fight with a rear naked choke? Oh, first round KO for sure. Oh, just like off the bat, just blah. First punch. Just, ah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that feels better, right? Just knocking somebody out. Yeah. <laughs> Putting on the sleep. Okay, question number four. Do you think it would be a good or bad thing if animals could talk? Oh, I think that would be a not good. <laughs> You imagine ate my what, cousin. Imagine what those, those donkeys would say. <laughs> They're like, you won't believe what I saw. Yeah. You won't believe what they made me do. Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, somebody would have a family dog that's like a comedian. It would be hilarious. That yeah, would be dude, funny or maybe like funny. chickens. All you hear is like, my kids, my kids. When you're like making scrambled eggs or something. Okay, last question. Question number five. What is the most expensive thing you've ever broke? Like... Was it like an accident? Was it on purpose? Like, what's the most expensive thing you've ever broke? 
man, I didn't break anything, but I did lose like like one carat earrings. Um, <laughs> she just lost in El Paso. In El Paso. Oh, we gotta go um, look for it, dude. What are the what are the bars across, right across the street? Like the one that everyone goes to. From where? From UTEP. From UTEP, yeah. Uh, it's like Cincy Bar, Cincy Bar, and fucking yeah, all those fucking rats. The one where you walk in and the bar is like right in the front, like a yeah. big long bar. Yep, that's and then Cincy there's like bar. an outside. I think yep. it's Cincy Bar. She was probably in the middle of a fight or something. Took my shirt off. I don't know why, <laughs> but I took my shirt off and my, and I lost my earring. I, I, and I came home and I was like, what the hell? And I was like, damn it. That was an expensive earring. God I seriously gosh. thought you were going to say your tailbone. <laughs> <laughs> Most expensive shit she ever broke. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's wrap up this podcast. That was five random questions with our, with friend of the podcast, Courtney Casey. Uh, with all that being said, guys, let's go around. We'll give our final thoughts, and we'll be out of here. Misa, final thoughts on the podcast today? Yes, uh, Ms. Courtney Casey, I just want to say it was a pleasure to meet you. Um, I think this is this is pretty cool, the fact that uh, we're talking to a true athlete, UFC fighter, somebody that um, almost broke Chris's arm. I love it. <laughs> Great episode. Um, I wish you the best of luck in your career. Thanks for uh, taking the time to be on our podcast. Everybody listening, thank you. Make sure uh, to stay safe and stay fresh. Uh, Miss Courtney, final thoughts on today's pod? Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, one, I'm happy. Was it your sister or your cousin that just finally liked the the podcast? His sister, my sister. <laughs> oh man, see, shout out to your sister. Yes. Um, but yeah, I enjoy I enjoy talking to you guys. Hopefully, we can do it again, and uh, maybe this time I'll be able to drink. <laughs> hey, there you go. Okay, guys, final thoughts. Episode sixty one. Uh, Courtney, thank you for spending time uh, with us today. Obviously, you got a lot going on. You got your boy Kingston here with us. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, shout out to your whole family. I'm super happy to have had you on here and glad to see you doing well. And it, it's kind of crazy to go back to our roots of how we met. But uh, round two sometime soon. Is that cool? Yeah. So okay. um, I'm fighting uh, March 13th. So hopefully after that. Okay, guys, so uh, make sure that you guys, if you can, tune into that fight. Go support K Casey on uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can find her, Courtney Casey, real, real easy to find. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode, episode 61, Conversing with Chris and Misa, the podcast. Misa, good job once again. Uh, with all that said, guys, uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to YouTube. Uh, we are... Oh, <laughs> out. <laughs>